0: Well, we made it to the end of season one. We've learned a lot about debt and how to use it as a tool to get more from life. And we've learned that having debt isn't a moral failing.
1: During the season wrap up, we want to share some final thoughts about debt and privilege, as well as share a few more stories from real people who've used debt as a strategy to improve their finances, even though some may say that they're doing it all wrong. Welcome to It Doesn't Make Sense, where
0: even when you're doing money wrong, you're still doing it right. Season one is all about digging into debt. Is it a moral failing? Or can some debt actually be a tool for a better life? We're gonna cover all the angles. We've talked a lot about individual choices this season and even addressed some systemic issues. Bryn Conroy, author of the Feminist Financial Handbook, breaks it down really well. For many lower income people, and increasingly for middle income people, debt is baked into the system.
2: The biggest thing that I noticed as I worked my way up was that middle income households don't necessarily have things too much easier. They just have access to more credit. None of this is to say that it's easier to be lower income than middle income. That's just simply not true, period, the end. But my experience was that lower income people tend to rely on debt less frequently. Yes, some of them have access to programming like SNAP and WIC. That can offset some of your basic needs, but that's only available for some people when you're lower income. The credit products that are out there, though, when you're lower income, my experience was that most people would rather go without than take out a car loan with 30% APR. It was also that most people would not go to get payday loans unless it was a real emergency, like a matter of survival. Then you move up your middle class, right? You have access to a negligible number of safety nets. You are also likely to find yourself in one of the most disadvantageous tax situations when it comes to filling out your 1040. And while a ton of middle class people have this kind of veneer of comfort, if you take a peek just beneath the surface, you'll see that there's mountains of debt. And I don't necessarily think that that's middle-income households' fault. We shouldn't be making people pick between live on what you can afford and live in a healthy and safe environment. Or pick between not swiping their credit card and paying the health insurance premiums they really can't afford. Or pick between groceries, which have more than doubled in price in my region over the past four years, while salaries have absolutely not, and feeding their families. So I guess my question is this, can we really shame people about their debt, make it their individual responsibility, when for so many people, that debt is the only thing standing between them and losing that safe and healthy housing, or the difference between being able to commute to work or not, feed their kids or not, or could we start talking about these issues at a broader level so we could get the system to a place where people can actually afford to live without the necessity of financing everything. So I
1: think all throughout this season, I hope we've sort of come across that there's this myth almost that debt is about individual choices and usually like bad individual choices. Like most debt is bad. And even that divide between like what's good debt and bad debt, quote unquote, good debt is something that you use to leverage your career, like student loans or like a business mortgage. And then bad debt is, I don't know, personal loan to move or go on vacation, something like that. And and it kind of feeds into that further myth is if you're in debt, it is a reflection of your moral character. Like if you've had too much or if you're taking up too much bad debt, you use a lot of credit cards. Like you're somehow this flawed human being.
0: A lot of mainstream sources like to really focus in on this narrative of debt being an individual failing, a reflection of moral character. And then what ends up happening is we end up in the shame spiral that makes it even harder to move our finances forward. And whether or not we use debt as a strategy to move those finances forward, the fact of the matter is, is we have all this shame around it and it's hard to talk about it. And I think one of the things that we need to pay attention to as well is the fact that all of these narratives that we get don't take into account the fact that the cost of living continues to be higher. Wages haven't kept pace in the last couple of decades. And instead, we get all of this inspirational financial porn about paying off your mortgage in five years or paying down $100,000 of debt in less than a year. Or even these unrealistic, I think one of my favorite things are these unrealistic budget stories that we get from CNBC Make It. That's one of the hardest things for me to deal with is here's somebody who's good with money and here's their budget. And he's like, what is even happening here? <laughs> like- what are these budgets? There's, oh gosh,
1: I'm going to try to find it, but it's like an Instagram account. I believe it's called like Overheard in New York or Overheard in LA. A lot of these are Instagram posts about sort of how out of touch some of the people that are having these conversations are. So I think one of them was about over a person talking about not having kids as a choice. Like, what do you mean you cannot afford children? So it was one of those comments where like, you know, my parents can do it and I can manage my budget as an adult. So if I want children, I I can figure this out. And it turned out that this person, their parents were still paying for some of their necessities. Then it really begs a question of, is not having children necessarily choice? Or is it maybe you're in a lot of debt because you're paying off a medical bill or some other external situation? Where it is almost impossible to bring a child in the world, even if you want one, because you're going to be even more broke than you are or you're going to be even deeper in debt or whatever it is. So there's a lot of these sort of external factors that people don't acknowledge or want to acknowledge that that does
0: happen. Yeah, and trying to pretend like even if you have insurance, you're not going to have any medical debt for having a child is ridiculous. Because even with insurance, many people still have these unaffordable medical bills, not just about having kids, but just about everything else. Uh, we talk about median costs to buy a house versus what Dave Ramsey talks about in this Florida book. And that's one of the things that you promised us in the last episode, by the way. You promised us a, I'm gonna a rant. Ramsey rant, <laughs> and now's your chance, babe. Let's do this. Oh, my gosh. OK, we will link
1: to this article in the show notes. The article is from a news channel basically talking about this particular school district in Florida denouncing. I don't know if that's a too strong word. Maybe objecting to this personal finance course or book that that is offered. Because Florida is one of the few states that is actually mandating personal finance education as part of the curriculum. And so this uh, Dave Ramsey's course slash book is one of the options that teachers can use in this district. This is a phrase, and I admit that I don't know a lot of Dave Ramsey-isms, but I feel like this is such a common one that he talks about, is one of the chapters, and it is screenshot on this article, is like, debt is dumb, cash is king. And so even that title alone is quite shame based. It doesn't take into the nuance of like, what is debt? How do we leverage debt? Why do we use debt? Why does debt even exist? What are some reasons that people have to take on debt? But if you're just going to overarchingly say like debt is dumb, it it is a moral choice or like pointing a finger at your moral character, basically. Like what does that mean? Even like cash is king. Like that is such a common phrase that's mentioned everywhere, right? In this case, it just really seems to point to this idea of like cash is great. It's the almighty whatever, because you're just using money that you have instead of using money that you quote unquote don't have. So therefore it's bad. That is my rant. Um, There are a lot of other financial influencers that also shame people into taking on, on debt. Or there are some that are pretty irresponsible and say, yeah, take on all the debt and you're going to find some way to make it work. I don't know the exact tactic. One of my friends I was having a conversation with her and she was watching a video about someone was teaching on a video about how to take out a bunch of line of credits and then you pay like one off with another line of credit and then you somehow like move money around in order to keep afloat. And it was one of those where she she felt a little offended, I guess is a word. Where she's like, why would anybody teach this if you don't need it? Or if you're in that situation where you have to borrow like money to pay off another loan and and so forth, shouldn't you maybe find some other way to figure out your financial situation? And on some degree, I do agree with her. There's that one spectrum where like you can't say debt is completely bad, but then you don't also want to be like, I love debt. I'm going to take all the debt.
0: I think part of that is the idea. Yes, debt can be a tool. And we talk about that as such. I think that's one of the things that often is missed from this mainstream discourse that shames people for having debt. And I think we'll talk about this a little bit later when we talk about, okay, how do you use debt as a strategy and a tool? But right now, like the view of debt that is this sort of black and white, all or nothing, does not take into account the fact that, hey, like you can start moving forward with your finances and making other financial moves, even if you're in debt. And some of those main narratives that we get from some of these financial influencers, especially those who are against debt, are things like, hey, get out of debt first before making any other financial moves. Otherwise, you're just going to be behind. And actually, the reality is, is you can start making these other financial moves, even if you still have debt. We talked about this you know, in our episode on, on moving forward and investing even while you have debt. And we talked about when we're talking about getting a car with debt or using personal loans. The idea that if you have any debt at all, you're going to be doomed to financial hell is something that doesn't actually reflect the realities that we live in.
1: There's also the idea of like the budget first approach or like the almighty budget that if you just somehow make the right budget or you somehow manage the money that you have well enough or better, whatever that means, that You can start paying down your debt, and maybe even faster than the expected timeline, and eventually you're just going to be able to move forward. There is this pretty common term. There's different variations for it. We'll, We'll link it in the show notes. It's called the Financial Order of Operations or in this article, is called Foo. I don't know why I like saying that, but I'm just going to keep referring to his Foo from now on. And it's basically this idea is that there's like this supposed order that you need to follow in order to, I guess, maximize your money, like be financially healthy, be quote unquote successful, whatever that means. And it's really interesting. This particular one that we're going to link to does talk about not necessarily prioritizing debt first it talks about like prioritizing the deductibles for your insurance making sure you're investing in employee match and then it talks about debt like high interest and then like versus low interest it's offering a bit of a alternative to sort of the dave ramsey method or some other more extreme influencers but even with this financial order of operations or foo It really speaks to this idea of, like, there is some sort of order that you need to follow. And life is messy, humans are messy, and honestly, money is messy. Like, how on earth are we to follow some sort of prescribed money rule or order of operations and have this be okay? It's like... I keep thinking about this statistic about people who want to climb out of poverty and it takes on average, according to the study, 20 years of nothing going wrong for someone who's in poverty to actually climb out of poverty. So can you imagine if this person is in this debt cycle, like someone who's in poverty in a debt cycle? Nothing can go wrong for 20 years, like in order to get out of that, which think about like last week. My gosh, like I have an eight year old. The amount of things that happen when you have a child it is staggering. Like it wasn't even anything major, but like little setbacks here and there. If let's say I want to, I don't know, become a bajillionaire, it, 20 years for me not to have anything bad happen is, if you think about
0: it, pretty impossible. When you realize that, hey, Like, it's not just about doing the right things or following these prescribed steps, because the bottom line is when you end up trying to get out of poverty, when you end up moving forward, one of the other things, too, it's it's not just about how is anything going wrong, but you need access to that capital. And having access to that capital is hugely important. And for many people, that means debt. And so being able to have access to the capital, being able to borrow some money, whether it's for student for going to school, for student loans, getting money to start a business, or whether it's just being able to get a personal loan that allows you to move into a better location or help you pay for some costs that you have right now to get a new job, whatever it is. It's it's not just 20 years of nothing going wrong. There's a good chance that in that 20 years, you're going to need debt. You know, we have that meme, that trashy if you're poor, classy if you're rich kind of a thing. Let's remember that we hear all the time about wealthy folks, right? Wealthy folks use debt, but they call it leverage. We hear that all the time. And we're told as if we're lower income. If we're middle income, we're told that debt is bad. You've made bad decisions. Shame on you. But the rich use debt all the time. And it's called leverage and smart choices and smart ways to use other people's money. OPM. So to me, it's just wild that we kind of have that. And once again, yeah, what's what's uh, classy if you're rich and trashy if you're poor? Debt. Debt is. We've talked
1: a lot this season about using debt as a strategy to move forward with life, reach other different various goals. Um, we've even shared some of our strategies and views of other people that we know, and they've shared their different varying views. We've got even more stories. Student loan debt does get a bad rap, and there are lots of issues with it, but taking out a student loan can also be part of a strategy in your life. And even at their worst, federal student loans in the U.S. still have lower interest rates then credit cards. So our friend Tiffany Grant explains how she used student loans as a strategy to manage credit card debt. So.
2: One unconventional thing that I've done is use student loans. And this might be highly controversial. I use student loans to pay down credit card debt. And the strategy behind that was that, of course, credit card debt is super high. We're talking 20, 30% right now. I was going back to school anyway. So I was like, student loans are like five, six, seven 7%. And I know while I'm in school, it'll be deferred. And then when I get out of school, I know that I'm going into a field will where they will get forgiven. So I'm like, why not use this strategy? Even though, you know, and I Googled it. I'm like, is this something that you're supposed to do? Can you do this? And it said that it was not recommended, but it didn't say that you couldn't. And so I was like, you know what? We're going to try it and we're going to do it.
0: Another big strategy out there is to use debt to buy real estate and keep doing it. Like J.D. Roth talked about in our episode on mortgage debt, Dustin Heiner also has no interest in paying off his mortgage debts quickly. In fact, Dustin has used ongoing debt to build his real estate empire.
3: So for me, since I'm a real estate investor, I look for ways to buy more properties. Now, I know there are lots of people out there, some big name people that say, pay off your house. And I actually don't mind having a loan against my house. And the big reason why is because if I have equity in my house that's just sitting there, I can't use it. It's not making me money. It's not bad not having a payment, don't get me wrong. I love not having payments on some of my houses because I invest in lots of properties but it's untapped equity that you can use to buy more properties to make more money. So here's actually what I've done with a student of mine. I coached him and he asked, I want to invest in real estate. I can't be a pastor for the rest of my life. I said, well, you have a property that you live in. Let's get a home equity line of credit on that property. He gets a home equity line of credit. He then takes that home equity line of credit, buys a rental property in Atlanta, Georgia. It was normally like 180,000. We talked him down to like 120,000. With that, he bought it for $120,000 of his home equity line of credit. Then six months later, refinanced that new property that he owned free and clear, refinanced, pulled that cash out, paid off his own maker line of credit. Now his investment property has no money out of his own pocket in this property. Debt, it can be good if you make money, but you got to do it wisely. Like if you don't do it well, you could get stuck. Like you, you get a bad loan and then you're out of a lot of money. But yeah, if you start looking at it as a tool, you're going to be doing well.
1: So love Dustin. I've spoken to him many times in real life. He's very conscientious about it. And for anyone out there who's going to be using debt as a strategy, whether it's student loans or leveraging it to build a real estate empire, whatever reason, it's really, really important to be very mindful and understand what it is that you're getting into and to go into it with your eyes open. So we've talked about this throughout the season, is to have a plan to manage your payments and make sure that you can afford it. I just want to say this is not me trying to preach. How I would interpret afforded is that you can make your payments and then some, as in you have a buffer at the end of the month, you have an emergency fund, you have some sort of extra. Just in case something else happens in your life, or even the plan could be how you're going to approach talking to your lender if, let's say, you lose your job or you're finding yourself in financial dire straits. Like, how are you going to plan to approach your lender in case something happens?
0: Right. And I think that's part of this, making sure, like, okay, can I handle these payments? Does it work with my current situation? And am I being intentional about what am I using the debt for? What is the purpose? Do I have a plan for this? Once again, debt is in fact morally neutral. But if you are going to use debt as part of your personal finance strategy, morally neutral or not, it does help to have a purpose for that money and understand why you're using it and to go in with that kind of intentionality to make sure that you know what you're doing, why you're doing it. And then what you're going to do if things go sideways.
1: Yeah, and before moving to the next talking point, is that this is something that I've encountered when I shop around for mortgage. Like, have a plan. Once you know how much you need to borrow or the approximate amount, be really firm about that's what you're going to borrow. My husband and I purchased a house that was way less than what we could have, air quote, afforded in terms of a mortgage affordability calculator. And so we had a lot of lenders that were trying to pre-approve us for amounts that were like way more than what we were even going to use. At one point, there was someone that was trying to convince us to buy a home for, like, I think twice the amount, the home that we currently bought. And I got really angry. I was like, no. (laughs) And then I hung out. Part of that plan is also sticking to your guns in terms of, like, there are lenders who may not be reputable, may not be great, and they're trying to make more money or whatever it may be, and they're trying to get you to borrow more, or maybe they're trying to convince you of different products, pressuring to different products that you may not understand. And so it's really, really important to like actually know what the loan is. Read the fine print. If you don't understand something, have a plan like who can you trust to help you interpret this document in order for you to actually understand what is going on.
0: For sure. And I think as well... When you're looking at, hey, do I need this money because of emergencies or other circumstances? There have been times in my life where I have borrowed money without a plan because an emergency happened. I was just starting out my freelance writing business and I had a toddler and a husband in school and we need to pay for a car repair. And if you need this debt because of emergencies or other circumstances, recognize that. And then try to reduce how much you borrow. kind of goes back to what you were saying about in the end, try and borrow as little as possible to meet your strategy, your goals, your needs to use this as a tool and and do your best not to over leverage. Uh, I mean, if you want to do that and that works for you, just make sure you're also setting aside money for the future and for retirement and for, for other things. Because eventually, if all you do is do debt, 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 and you're over leveraged, eventually you will run out of credits. And this is something that can also happen when a recession hits. As we saw back in 2007 to 2009, the credit market started tightening. People were seeing their credit card limits being cut. They were seeing their personal lines of credit being cut. And so that's another thing to keep in mind, too, is if you think we're going to be heading into a recession and you're relying a lot on this credit, there comes a point where these lenders are going to cut back. Even if you have good credit, even if you have a good system, even if you have a good plan, part of this is also being prepared to say, "Okay, what happens if things change? What happens if a credit card company cuts my credit limit?" When I got divorced, the the personal line of credit that my ex-husband and I had together, you know, I tried, I was like, "I just want it transferred to my name only." I tried to do that, they said no, they closed down the personal line of credit. Even though I was the primary breadwinner during my whole marriage and we based the entire line of credit on how much money I made after the divorce, they just canceled the entire line of credit and I could not get that same line of credit again later. So that's something to keep in mind as well, is that over leveraging or relying too much on this credit, there are realities and the lenders can change things up.
1: So we do have a perspective about some of the stress that can come with debt. So Deacon Hayes offers his perspective on the a situation that he encountered where he had faced some stress with some debt and then the solution that him and his family used to tackle that debt that actually they didn't want to deal with.
3: One of the things that we did was sell an upside down car. And that was a fascinating experience that I didn't realize the logistics of. Um, but realized that with the amount of money I was paying in interest, it didn't make sense for us to continue to make a payment. And so we had to figure out how do you sell something that you owe more than it's worth, and then how do you find a buyer for that? So that, that was something that was uh, an interesting process, but it was a lot easier than I thought, and it helped us pay off our debt even faster. And so I, I sold my wife's car, which was worth 5,000 bucks, bought two cars with that money, and then we were able to use those instead of my new car. So I uh, got rid of that car payment. It's a new car. You're like, why would you sell it? It's reliable. But for us, it was more of a, hey, let's get rid of that payment. We can use that money to, towards other things, right? And at the time, it was paying off credit card debt and things like that. So.
1: so while Deacon has a lot of peace with getting out of that debt, it is okay if you structure your finances differently. Or you need to take more time to pay down your debt. I do want to add, I feel like something that doesn't get acknowledged, and I know we've been talking about it throughout this season, is that even if you have a million dollars in the bank or you have like one dollar in the bank, there are so many things out of our control. Like, I feel like I'm in a pretty good financial situation But I never know. Like, I never know if something will happen where all of my money's gone. Maybe you live in a country that all of a sudden goes to war and you're forced to leave with nothing but the clothes on your back. And I often wonder if some of the morality that's tied to debt is also tied to this fear of like wanting to be in control. Because I can go ahead and say like, how dare you take out a loan to go on a vacation like that's stupid that's dumb cash is king right but at the same time i may be saying there's this underlying feeling of like i'm in control of my money i'm in control of my life so i'm not going to use debt in that way because then it'll reassure me that everything's going to be all right when the reality is you can do all the things right and things can still come crashing down
0: not to be a downer but that's something i think about a lot So as we move forward and wrap this season up, Sarah, what are some of our takeaways?
1: So debt, like money in general, is a social construct. It is more than neutral and in some cases is a part of modern living since we've commodified every aspect of survival and even social interactions like we talked about in our last episode
0: on social debt. And how you approach debt depends on your circumstances, your comfort level and your own financial goals. Don't assume that you have to follow someone else's roadmap or that you should feel shame because of your debt. So we do have a financial resource. My favorite one is this approach to debt from Dana Miranda over at Healthy Rich. It talks about actually using debt and how you can approach your debt uh, and doing it without shame. So we hope that you like that resource and head on over there. And thank you so much for listening to this season where we talk about debt we're super excited to start working on the next season. Sarah, what, what do you think we should do next?
1: Well, we want to hear from you. What do you want to learn about next season? We've got a lot of ideas, but we would love to hear from you what you want to hear from us. So, do you have a burning desire to learn more about investing? Are you interested in a whole season of financial memes? Follow us on Instagram at It Doesn't Make Sense and let us know what you think, or head over to It Doesn't Make Sense.com. You can always comment on one of the posts in the show notes and let us know what what you guys want to hear from us. Thanks for joining us on It Doesn't Make Sense. The best way to support our nuanced approach to money is to share it with a friend. Subscribe to It Doesn't Make Sense on whatever podcast player you use. For resources and show notes,
0: head to itdoesntmakesense.com. We also accept appreciation in the form of a refreshing beverage via Ko-Fi or coffee, whatever. We don't care. We'll drink it. Just head to ko-fi.com slash sense. no apostrophe, and provide us with a fortifying